Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, everyone. In this group, we are Gemma Abarca, Julia Barba, Elisa Sotelo, and Celia Tamayo. We have been doing podcasts with all the topics exposed in class during the past months, and here is a compilation of our best minutes, and hope you enjoy them. From the first podcast, we've chosen a part which belongs to the introduction. So, as I've just said, I'm surrounded by genius of the social psychology of education, and I'm so full of questions, but I believe we should start by asking what is it, and what does it have the name? What is social psychology, Elisa? Well, I can answer that, Gemma. I believe, um, as Ovejero said, that social psychology should study the way from which we all have changed since we were born to the person we are nowadays. And that the most expanded tendency is maybe to believe that social psychology of education consists on the union of education and social psychology. I could partly agree with you, Elisa, but... For example, according to Bartal and Sachs, a distinction has been made between social psychology and education. <laughs> well, Julia, that's a good point of view, but may you justify your opinion? Well, so to support my opinion, I could add that to standard statements, they based on their goals. Meaning this, that, for example, social psychology, according to them, tries to improve a students' academic performance, analyzing some psychosocial variables. In contrast to education, which studies social behavior within the school context. <laughs> okay, you're starting this debate strongly, huh? Gemma, it's true that they both have standard opinions, but they are very uh, close-minded in their thoughts. I mean, there are many other ways of seeing this topic, as for example the point of view of Gonzalez, which believes that the aim of social psychology is the study of human behavior more focused on interaction. I said Gonzalez, as I could say, Gini or Varian Johnson. Okay, and every introduction has some history, so let's listen to it. But now we could move on to a bit of history, couldn't we? My start? Of course! Well, Gemma, social psychology, as you might know, has a short history. It actually doesn't arise as an autonomous discipline until the 60s. But, well, as everything, before being official, it already had its investigation here and there. As, for example, Presley, he dedicates a chapter to social psychology in the childhood and adolescence in which he focuses in the influence, in the influence of family in the school, performance, and also the social climate in the classroom. Oh, may I say something? Of course. Well, I just believe um, it's a good moment to mention uh, Lewin, Lepid and White's influence talking about the importance of a teacher in the creation of social climate in the classroom and in the aspects of group dynamics. Yes, yes, okay. Can anyone contribute something more about the history? Yes, of course. I think it's important to emphasize the previous years. In the 40s, group dynamics in the classroom began to be studied. 
and they focus in the influence of some social factors in education, such as family attitudes and parentage practice. They also focus in socio-emotional climate in the classroom. Wow, that sounds pretty good. And adding information, what can you tell me about the 50s and 60s? Well, in the 50s, the foundation for the development of social psychology of education are laid. And in the 60s, was an important beginning due to the official birth of psychology and science. Especially in 1969, SPE researched the institutional recognition as social psychology of education discipline. Oh, that's right. And in Spain, it's not until 1985 when social psychology of education is officially recognized. Once we are done with the introduction, we started debating in the radio program other topics such as first impressions from the second podcast. Okay, to get started, we didn't know each other before. Today, it's the first time that Celia, Eliza, Julie and me met. Isn't this true? It is true, Gemma. Okay, so I guess that we've all created the first impression, as no judgments or decision, maybe based in stereotypes or maybe not. That's true. This is what social perception is all about, in particular impression formation. So this is the process by which we form an overall impression of someone's character. These impressions are sometimes formed very quickly and using a minimum of information about that person. Huh. And we frequently base our impressions on social norms and roles we expect from these people. Okay, uh, maybe if we put an example, we can understand it easier. Okay, yes. Well, Julia, how did you come to the interview? By bus. Well, so your first impression of the bus driver was was like, uh, I don't know, we, did, we didn't not have that much contact. Maybe, I guess he was a normal person who is just tired of his job, so... He was not really pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> well, so your first impression of this person is based on what you would expect on a person in that role to behave like. And if you have known that person's characteristics, that is true. This is about how we ourselves make the first impression about someone else. But what if we look at it from a different point of view? What do you mean? Well, I refer to us producing an impression on someone else. Ah, okay. Well, the desire of making a good impression in others is very strong, so we are always trying to do the best to be accepted. In fact, psychologists use the term impression management to describe this effort we make to cause a good impression in others. Wow, really? Yes, and moreover, studies show that people who manage these impressions in a successful way get important advantages in many situations. So, which methods are used to generate positive impressions in others? Uh, finally, other treated topics are, for example, emotional intelligence from the third podcast. Can anyone tell me the general definition of emotional intelligence? Sure, general. So, emotional intelligence is usually defined as the ability to monitor our and other people's emotions, to label them properly and to use the emotion, uh, emotional information to guide thinking and uh, ultimately behavior. Oh, sorry for the interruption, Ellie, but I wanted to emphasize the idea that emotional intelligence is an ability. Therefore, it is something learnable that you can educate and acquire. No problem, Celia. That's true. Hmm, really interesting. And Julia, could you briefly analyze the real meaning of emotional intelligence, please? 
Yes, as Elisa and Celia say, uh, emotional intelligence is the ability to monitor your emotions and the other people's emotions. That is to say, being conscious of your feelings and the other's feelings. I get it. So a good example of that could be when you see one of your friends crying, you know that the person is feeling sad and you're able to see that she or he is really suffering. Is that right? Exactly, Gemma. That, that is to monitor emotions of others as you know what, the, what that person is feeling. Yes, and uh, the emotional intelligence normally uh, you are going to offer him or her some help. If you are a good friend, of course, <laughs> that is to add to the emotion perceived. Like I said, emotional intelligence is the ability of being able to label properly emotions and use the information we obtain to guide thinking and the means being uh, capable of using the information you have received from the others and to act according to them. That is why uh, we uh, would offer our help, like Celia said. A topic discussed in the fourth podcast can be, for example, social influence applied to a classroom. Okay, so now let's finally talk about social influence applied to a classroom. <clears throat> well, we can't talk about psychology in a classroom without mentioning Montessori. He wrote some books and stated that there are three different levels of evidence in a child. Yes, exactly, Julia. Um, Montessori said that when a child is three years old or under, um, uh, he or she must develop certain qualities that let them uh, obey. And finally, in the fifth podcast, we learned the definition of prejudge. So, well, can anyone tell me about the definition of prejudice? Sure, Gemma. Prejudice is an attitude or orientation towards a group or its member that divides each one directly or indirectly, often in order to self-benefit or benefit of the group. Okay, and may you put an example? Look. So, for example, picture being with your friends, going for a walk, and you suddenly see another group of people with some characteristics which are different to yours. Yes, that may have happened. Well, in this case, we usually tend to prejudge. And if you pay any attention, you may realize that when we prejudge, we tend to do it in a negative way. Oh, that is true. Uh, very few times we form opinions about people thinking in a positive way. Okay, and due to this fact is when racism, ageism, etc. appear.